Grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Our text for our sermon is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. Now I say this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and what is perishable is not going to inherit what is imperishable. Look, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. But once this perishable body has put on imperishable, uh, imperishability, and this mortal body has put on immortality, then what is written will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. In the Old Testament, when God was leading the first generation out of Egypt and, and they were wandering in the desert, they'd come to complain as many times they did, and there was a point where God had enough. And as the Old Testament describes it, it was fiery serpents that when they complained against the Lord or against the leaders he had chosen, you would be bit by one of these uh, serpents that were indigenous to the area. Some people think they were called fiery because they had some markings on them, but others say once you're bit by one, it burns, it hurts, you've got three minutes and you're dead. And so Moses was to fashion a copper serpent on a crossbeam, on a pole with a crossbeam, and if you looked at it, you would be saved. So God would heal you. Now Jesus told this to Nicodemus three years uh, before he would be crucified, Jesus told that to Nicodemus, pointing out that he himself would overcome the sting of death by being on another cross, being that torture device of the cross. We have gathered this morning to rejoice in the resurrection of the Lord, and our sermon theme is Christ overcomes death for us, overcoming its sting with his victory. Now, what is the sting of death? Death itself is, is like being bit by that serpent. It burns and it hurts and then you die, right? Verse 56 says, The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we break the law, we're condemned. We're condemned to death. If we break it just once, one time that law pronounces you're a sinner. Poof! And there is the sting, like the serpent's bite. But you and I, because we have a sinful condition, cannot help but to sin. That serpent's bite that would have been deadly to an Israelite once they looked at that crossbeam and obeyed the Lord, well, then it would be survivable. They would be healed. Neither you or I look forward to death. But because of Christ's victory, it's lost its sting because we know even death is survivable for us. So, what is its sting? It is the sin that caused death to come upon us. It began with Adam and Eve sinning and they begat children in their image and now we have a sinful nature. In fact, it causes a loop 
almost an infinite loop that puts us in, in a lot of trouble. It's one of those, what came first, the chicken or the egg? See, if you sin, you can't do more good to earn your salvation, to earn forgiveness, because you're never supposed to sin. You're always supposed to do good. You can't do extra good to make up for bad because you can never do bad. We have a sinful nature. We can't help it. It might not be that we murder people and steal things, but we even think thoughts. The first thing we, we think of is, is for ourselves. We don't, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, think of how glorious God is. We look out for ourselves first. And so we have this loop where every time we sin, we cause our con condemnation more. We can't help but to sin because we have that sinful nature. And we're damned. We're destined for hell. But this is why Christ took on human flesh so that he could live his life perfectly for us, take on every temptation, but never once sin. And then he goes to the cross and he takes our sins upon himself and he gives us his righteousness. And here we're told uh, again that the wages of sin is death, but, but that we're decay. Decay that happens when we're placed in the grave, decay because of the sting of death. Decay cannot inherit immortality. They are opposites, just like unholiness is the opposite of holiness. Unrighteousness is the opposite of righteousness. Decay is the opposite of immortality. They are complete opposites. And so Christ doesn't see decay in the grave for us. But we're told, now I say this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And what is perishable is not going to inherit what is imperishable. First of all, there's something amazing in the word inherit. When you inherit something, it's a gift. If it's given to you because of something you did for your relative, it's actually uh, wages for work received. You and I who, does, who are stuck in that infinite loop, whose bodies will see decay in the grave, we do not deserve the immortality, but it's been given to us, a free gift from God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who love us. And therefore, they take our perishable body and one day they're gonna rise it up, reuniting it with our soul, making what was perishable, now it's gonna be a glorified body that's imperishable. By faith, we have a new person that survives the grave. That new person is eternally alive. And that is truly what survives because our sinful nature is going to be destroyed when we die. But there is something terrible about the burial of the dead. There, as we see the casket lowered down, we are reminded. And even in spite of vaults and coffins and everything else, dig that up in a year See how well-preserved that body is. It isn't. It begins to decay. And that corruption of the flesh and everything is a hard blow to take as we see that casket lowered into the grave. We say to ourselves, this is my friend. This is my beloved spouse. That's my parent being lowered into the grave. Sadly, that may be my child. That may be my loved one. And let's admit it. When a person's cremated, maybe we don't have to see the coffin lowered down into the ground to start that decaying process, but cremation just hastens it. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It just makes what takes years, and it does it literally in minutes. But the sting is gone when we know that our loved one 
had that new person, that they trusted that Jesus had done all the work for their salvation. The sting is gone because we know their soul is before the throne of God, and we know that when we die, our souls will be before the throne of God with them, kept safe in a perfect environment where we're perfectly happy how things turned out. And we know when Christ returns, they will get that glorified body that's free of sin. Of course, when they're before the throne of God, they'll be free of sin as well. But the glorified body that's free of sin, free of decay, free of diseases like cancer and Alzheimer's and, 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 and things like arthritis. It's a glorified body that never decays. It's immortal. The reality of the resurrection teaches us that the body in the present state must perish and be changed before it can inherit the glories of heaven. And so Christ overcomes death for us, overcoming its sting with his victory because we are going to rise again. Listen to the words of verse 51 through 53. Look, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the blink of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality. So not only does Christ take what was defiled, what was subject to cancer, God subjected this world to decay, including our bodies, so that we know not to get attached to this world. But what will decay, what is disease, what gets sick, what wears out, is going to be made glorious, immortal, no longer able to wear out, no longer capable of having disease. All of that is gone. And did you catch those words? On the last day when that happens, it's going to be in an instant. This isn't going to be a painful process in which our soul is sucked out of heaven and over hours and hours it sits there in pain as it's reunited with the body in an instant. Boom. Glorified body. But what is amazing here as well is, as the Apostle Paul says, we will not all sleep but will be changed. One generation will be spared death. And that is the generation that is alive when Christ returns. Those who are believers, their bodies will just be instantly changed. They won't have to see the decay of the grave. There is no place for death after the resurrection. We're told in verse 54, but once this perishable body is put on imperishable, imperishability and this mortal body is put on immortality, then what is written will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Christ is the first fruits of that. He died and he rose. He died on Friday evening. He rises on Sunday morning. And he's the first fruits. The empty tomb is your and my receipt that we are going to have that glorious body and death is gone forever. Therefore, it loses its sting when we look at the grave because we say, this is just a temporary thing and I'm not going to cease to have consciousness. I will be before the throne of, the God, of God. And we say the same thing of our loved ones who precede us. So what are we to do then? In this life, it's more than just the fact that we're going to have glorified bodies when Christ returns. In this life, we are alive in Christ. In this life, Christ is ruling over creation to keep us safe so that we get that, that imperishable body. Verse 58 tells us, Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We have hope. Now, I don't mean hope like movies mean hope or lots of times people who they're broken, they buy a lottery ticket and they know they have a better chance of being struck by lightning, but they hope they win the lottery. That's really 
saying, eh, there's a chance it would be nice. Christian hope is a confident expectation. I know that my Savior lives. He's defeated the grave. He's defeated sin. He's defeated the devil. And so I, my, body, my, my body may decay, but my soul will be kept before the Lord and I will be united with a glorified body when it's all said and done. And so how do we remain steadfast and immovable? We come to the word because the devil is bombarding us every day with false information. We come to the word where we can be assured over and over again. Yes, in spite of the devil's propaganda, Christ has defeated the devil, the grave, and our sin, death has lost its sting. We have forgiveness. We are made God's children. Faith in the resurrection makes us strong in our conviction. Our sins are forgiven because Christ's tomb is empty. He rose from the grave. Now we have life. Life now in Christ because we have that new person. And that life means we have work to do. A life-saving work to do. We hear the word of God which constantly nourishes and preserves our, our, our new person that he's given us. And we also have the privilege as we study that word of God of proclaiming to others the good news. Christ has overcome death for us, overcoming its sting with his victory. Amen and happy Easter. Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of sheep in connection with his blood, which established the eternal covenant, may he equip you with every good thing to do his will as he works in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen.